I'm Christopher Calloway, and this is Creator Talks, the show where I interview writers and artists working in comic books and in other mediums. My guests today worked on a graphic novel. Caitlin Major is the writer of, and Kelly Basto the artist of, Manfred Saves the Day. Come visit a world where human-like felines keep cute little humans as pampered pets, and the most spoiled of them all is irascible Manfred the Man. Can a pet man who spends most of his time eating and sleeping take first prize at the Manflower Man Show? If not, the local shelter for stray men will be forced to shut down forever. Based on the hilarious webcomic, this sequel to Manfred the Man is an all-new standalone story that can be enjoyed by followers of the series and new fans alike. It is being published through Quirk Books and is now available. Caitlin Major has worked on such webcomics as Homesick, Peach Plum Pear, You're a Witch Millie, and The Spirit and the Spider. She also has a full-time job with Skyship Entertainment, and we're going to talk about her position as an animation compositor. The artist on the book Kelly Basto has worked on Lumberjanes, Adventure Time, her own graphic novel, and more. So there's lots of talk about cats, what it's like owning a cat, how to make a cat happy, and also talking about their book Manfred Saves the Day. This episode is brought to you by my sponsor, The Comic Book Shop, at 1855 Marsh Road at the Plaza 3 Shopping Center in Wilmington, Delaware, where comics are for everyone, just be nice. Let's join Caitlin Major and Kelly Basto as we talk Manfred the Man, here now on Creator Talks. Caitlin, welcome to Creator Talks. Thanks for having me. And Kelly, welcome also. Yeah, thanks. I am a former cat owner, so I have some familiarity with the felines and how they behave. So the book spoke a lot to me. We're going to talk about the book. First, I want to start with each one of you and your background. Caitlin, please tell me about your education and how you came to the decision to become a writer as your chosen profession. I went to school for animation back in Australia. That didn't really pan out for me to start off with. I ended up working for the government in Australia for a really long time, but uh, I would always make comics on the side because I really liked just telling stories and drawing pictures and doing that kind of thing. And then when I moved to Canada about five years ago, uh, I ended up getting a job at an animation studio, which was really cool, uh, Skyship Entertainment. So I got to kind of fulfill my dream of working in animation. And also at the same time, I started working with Kelly on Manfred the Man, just kind of like took off online. It all ended up here. (laughs) But I never really like had a goal to be a writer it just kind of happened that's how life often works things just kind of fall into place you know (laughs) which is the best (laughs) life is telling you something but that's very interesting that you move from australia why go from australia the land of 19 crimes wine one of my favorites to (laughs) canada um well actually had a lot to do with comics so my partner matthew and i were making uh, like web comics and things back in Australia, and we'd go to like comic shows and and that kind of thing. And there's a very small like audience for that type of thing in Australia, and we ended up kind of out of dumb luck at the small press expo in America one year, and just got this crazy reception. Like there were so many people who were like interested in indie comics and wanted to read them and buy them, and we were like, you know, like we need to be in North America. We can't stay here in Australia. <laughs> you probably get really good feedback and in fan response at a small press expo because I would think you'd have like the really diehard fans that love the art 
and love people that make comics through their own initiative. Do you find there's a difference in fans from other cons that you've been to? Yeah, there's definitely a difference between like the pop culture style conventions where it's more about your favorite people from TV and whatever. Everything's just kind of mixed in together. And then like small press focused conventions like TCAF or SBX where the focus is on comics and creators and art and less about everything else around it, like Marvel and superheroes and anime and and all that other kind of stuff that type of pop culture convention was really the only thing that was going on in australia so you know people would kind of come by our table and look at our comics but they didn't really have any idea of like what they were looking at and you know they were like is this a superhero i don't know (laughs) like not to say that there was nobody in australia making like indie comics but it was very small and it was Mm. all very kind of self-contained coming to north america and just like seeing how big it could be was very inspiring so then we kind of put a plan in motion and then ended up here in toronto i've been to toronto it's a lovely city i've always referred to it as a parallel universe usa it's very much (laughs) like the united states it's cleaner it's neater the people are nice (laughs) but we um we traveled there uh i guess about eight years ago when we moved here neither matt nor i had any idea about anything about Toronto as a city. We didn't know anything about Canada as a country. We had absolutely no expectations. And I think that really worked for us. Uh, A few people that we knew in Australia had tried to move to like England and, you know, move to London and kind of all gone pear-shaped. And I think that there's a lot of expectations about certain cities. You have this idea in your mind about how your life is going to be, you know, like, oh, I'm going to move to London. I'm going to like live like an Englishman or I'm going to move to New York and like live the American dream or whatever. We had no expectations whatsoever about Canada and Toronto. So it really kind of worked out for us. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that is very important in life is to have no expectations. Because like when I go to a movie, I go on a vacation. It's a holiday coming up like Christmas or whatever. I don't have any expectations because whatever your expectations are, they'll never be met. And then you're going to wind up being bummed out. Just go and see what happens. <laughs> you mentioned Skyship Entertainment and your work there, you've done work there as an animation compositor. Now, I've never heard of that particular role, so please explain, what does that entail? So compositing is like a post-production. It's sort of after the animation and the designs and everything have been done. I take all of the like finished animation and put it together and finish it, basically. The last step in the process. Very essential component of the process. It's all part of the process. Every piece is important. I do a lot of editing as well. So at the start of the process, I get it and I edit it and like put the voiceover in and the sound effects and that kind of thing. So I'm kind of at the start and at the end. (laughs) I appreciate that because I know how much editing takes. (laughs) And it's one of those things that people just don't notice unless it's done wrong. So I know how critical that is to the whole process. Kelly, I haven't forgotten about you. You've drawn Lumberjanes, Adventure Time. Folks are very familiar with that. Published your own graphic novel and a lot more. Tell me, Kelly, what was your first comic assignment and how did you manage to land that? My first big time comic assignment was Manfred, I guess. The other ones I just did covers for and um, inking. But Manfred was our first published graphic novel. So yeah, it was a big deal. Was that the first one that got you really excited? Because I know like, you know, the first time I have an article published, I'm like, woohoo, you know, it's like the, oh, you get all that energy and everything and adrenaline pumping. Was that the first one that got you really excited? Yeah, big time. I mean, I did a graphic novel that was self-published, but this was uh, the first one that was published by a major publisher. So I was really excited. 
It's always nice to see things in print. I mean, digital's great. Yes. I read it all the time, but to see it, to be able to hold it and flip through the pages and look at it, that's the best. Now, where are you located, Kelly? I'm in Toronto as well. And what are your impressions of Toronto as a city? I really like it. There's a lot of stuff going on all the time, which I appreciate. Everything is at your fingertips, kind of everything you want, all the tasty food and art supplies you could ever want. And a lot of hustle and bustle. I really like it. Now, you must have read comics growing up. What were you reading? What were your first comics that you recall? Oh, gosh. Probably when I was going through my angsty goth phase and I was reading like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. (laughs) (laughs) Back in like 2007. That graduated to manga. A lot of Tokyo pop for those people who were born in the 90s. Yeah. So angsty comics and then manga and then indie comics. And that's where I am today. Caitlin, how about you? What did you start with? My dad used to buy us Tintin books when I was a kid. So I guess I kind of started there. But um, I never really sort of became interested in comics until I was a teenager and I started reading manga as well. I hear Tintin mentioned a lot with guests I have. They mentioned starting with that and saying how great that is. Yeah, yeah. But like, I I guess I was at that age where I didn't know the difference between like a picture book and a comic. Mm -hmm. They kind of just like are in there in my memory, but I wouldn't really say that it's like an artistic influence. But it did have an impression upon you. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But like never really read any superhero comics. We didn't really have like easy access to them. It wasn't until I was a little bit older and I was able to like go into the city to like find the comic book stores. And by that stage, I was just interested in reading manga. Fair enough. Now, I understand Manfred came about while you two were living in a shared house in Toronto. Caitlin, who is Kelly Basto to you and how is she as a housemate? <laughs> well, she's a friend and <laughs> she's also like, my friend's girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) and as a housemate you know she was pretty good she mostly just kept to herself like yeah there wasn't there wasn't any like fights or anything like that we we get along (laughs) 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 kelly almost feels to me like like a little sister you know somebody that i am kind of looking out for and have this kind of nostalgic feeling too i guess (laughs) oh that's nice. <laughs> okay, Kelly, it's your turn. Now you got to be nice and make a nice compliment. Who was Caitlin to you? And how was she as a housemate? She was very good. She was a lot more responsible than I was and cooked a lot more meals for everyone and uh, left signs above the, you know, the compost heap that said, take it out, you know, if it starts to gather flies. <laughs> so she was like the house mom. <laughs> and now she's a just a very good friend and a mentor and somebody that I owe a lot to. Now, you said Caitlin was cooking the meals. So, Caitlin, what is your specialty? My specialty is a dish called chicken and pastry. And it's chicken wrapped up in puff pastry, put in the oven. It's very delicious. Oh, that sounds great. Very simple. Those are the things that are best, the simplest things. Do you put anything over top the pastry or is it just sans sauce? There's like cheese and, and other stuff inside it as well. I don't want to give you my secret recipe. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's actually like my mom's recipe. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, my mom's not a great cook, but she could do that one thing. And then I learned it. Always do what you can do best. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the book, Manfred Saves the Day. Now, it's a book, for those who aren't familiar, about a world where human-like felines keep humans as pets. The Catlantia Man Shelter is owned and operated by Henrietta Catface, and she's dating Steve Katzen, an up-and-coming web cartoonist whose pet 
is the man, Manfred. In this book, Manfred must win first prize at the Manflower Man Show or the human shelter could be shut down forever. Now, spoilers, folks. Everything turns out okay because, after all, the name of the book is Manfred Saves the Day. Otherwise, you know, you'd be pretty disappointed. But it's how we get there and how you work in some of the things that you struggle with personally, balancing full-time work and a webcomic, that make it so interesting, how you've worked those things into it. So, Caitlin, how much of Steve Katzen is you? Do people get overlooked when you are wrapped up in your work? Do you have any real-life examples of that, and how do you manage that? Um, poorly. <laughs> <laughs> But you try, you try. Okay. Yeah, like doing this second book was was like such a struggle for me um, because uh, I, I was like working full time at my job and then I'd like have to come home and like work on the comic or like I wouldn't even come home. I would just like stay at the office and work there. So, you know, like my day would be like I start working nine o'clock and then like I leave the office at like 11 or something oh, like that. Oh, jeez. Yeah, so they're like ridiculously long days and my poor partner Matt just got totally <laughs> sidelined. <laughs> i'm making it up to him <laughs> <laughs> when you're doing your day job then you're on a roll and you just you just start working there on the comic before you get home because that way there's no distractions no disruptions and you just go and i know how it is you kind of lose track of time like time's oh, just yeah, flying yeah. by when you're working on something <laughs> this was like kind of the second year of that work flow because the previous year we had done the first manfred book so it was like two solid years of just like non-stop work like i didn't have time to do anything i didn't have time to go out with friends i didn't have time to like read a book i didn't have time to go to the movies like nothing it was just like work 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 work, work. so yeah i got pretty burnt out <laughs> do you have more work-life balance now i hope i do i do yeah a little bit <laughs> you know what i like about the book is the way you write the pet men saying hey hey because we had used to have a cat in my household and she, same thing <laughs> And it was like saying, hey, over here, hey, 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 you know, curling up with you, getting underfoot, sleeping on your desk, you know, eating something really gross, but they're so fastidious about how they keep themselves clean, <laughs> despite they'll eat anything, and how they leave little gifts behind sometimes for you to step on, you know? <laughs> it, you know, our cat, I've mentioned this on the podcast before, for new listeners, she passed, she was an older cat, she passed, and rather than just leave her at the veterinarian's office, I'm like, what do you want to do with her? My wife said, well, I think I'm going to have her cremated. I said, did you see that thing on Amazon? She goes, you mean the cat urn, the Egyptian cat urn? I said, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we have the cat in an urn on the mantle. And Christmas time, I put a Santa hat on it. <laughs> it was depending on the holiday, I'll dress the cat. So I said, look, I've trained the cat. Stay, stay. She listens. So um, she was a great cat. She was a great cat. They just, they love to be a part of you. They adopt you and they spend time with you and they have this internal clock. They know when it's time for bed. They know when it's time to get up. They'll just stare at you and look <laughs> at you like, you know what I'm telling you. It's time. It's funny. They're more subtle than dogs and they're very, very independent. They have their own routine and you fit into it versus mm -hmm. dogs, which is the opposite. They'll do whatever you want. Cats, you have to kind of like work with. They accept you, which is the great thing. Are you both cat owners or have you been cat owners at one time? Um, I had two cats when I lived back in Australia, which is where I got most of the like gags for Manfred. I, I can't have cats. I'm allergic to them. Oh, okay. I used to be. And I don't know if it was the owner of the cat that made me allergic because of the way they vacuumed or whatever. 
But when I met my wife and her cat, and of course, (laughs) if I didn't accept the cat, she wouldn't be my wife now. (laughs) But (laughs) I don't know if it was the way she vacuumed or the cat had short hair. It really didn't bother me. When I was initially in contact with them, my eyes would itch. My contacts would drive me crazy. And I started to take them like antihistamines or something to kind of like knock that down. But eventually I just got used to it. I don't know. I guess, can you build up an immunity? I think you can. Like The reason that we don't have a cat now in Canada is because my partner is very allergic to cats. He's had to have like surgery on his sinuses before because he gets chronic sinusitis. So when we moved and we like got away from the cats and, you know, he kept saying, we should get another cat. We should get another cat. I was like, you're so allergic to cats. Like we really shouldn't. (laughs) You've done enough. (laughs) Yes. Surgery. That's going far enough. That's... Well, I have to say, after reading the book, Kelly, your art is a delight. I wasn't sure what to think before I had seen the art, and I heard the description. My mind flashed back to that movie Forbidden Planet, 1973, Le Planet Sauvage, which was very, to me, very dark. Or I think a Planet of the Apes, but it's not like that at all. It's a lot of fun. If you have cats, you'll definitely relate to how Manfred and the other men are very much like the cats you may have. Kelly, what's the best part about working on the art of Manfred for you personally? What do you like about it so much? I like to use my brush, which is what I created the art with. And I like to translate Caitlin's script. And I really love to draw the men interacting with each other and, you know, fighting and grooming each other. And I love to draw facial expressions. That was a treat because there's so much crazy stuff going on in the books. There's a lot of emotions for me to interpret and draw, and I really enjoyed that. You know, you can almost look panel to panel and see what's going on. A good measure to me of storytelling artistically is if you cover the words and just look at the pictures. Let's say you're a little kid, you can't read yet. When you look at it and you can follow what's going along by the facial expressions, that's excellent storytelling. Of course, dialogue's great, but if you can still follow it without all of that, good work is being done. And I understand this may be, for at least the time being, as far as you plan to go with Manfred. Do you have something else cooking in the back of your mind for, say, a volume three of the trilogy? We only had like a two book deal with Qua. Currently, we're on the hiatus, I would say. And also like because it was like such a tight turnaround for these two books, we're both just a little bit kind of worn out from it. (laughs) I would like to revisit the world of Manfred eventually, but I just need to like take a little bit of a break from it, you know? Will you take a break from books and webcomics, period, for now and focus on your full-time work? Or do you have other different projects that you're itching to get to? Well, the plan this year was to like not do any work outside of work. But because I'm such a workaholic, that's kind of turning out to be untrue because I just recently like went back to Australia to visit my family and just like being back in my old town where I used to live and like seeing my old high school friends and stuff, it like brought up a lot of memories. So I'd started like writing an outline for a script for like an autobio comic, which who knows if it will ever get made, but it's just like, (laughs) I can't just like stop. (laughs) Yeah. Caitlin has fabulous out of bio work, by the way, from the little bit of it that I've seen. Oh, I love those kinds of books. I really do. I find them, those little slices of life, someone's way of dealing with things day to day. I find them really cool. I mean, you know, more so than even sometimes superhero comics, I find them just as engaging. They're hard to put down. I don't know what it is, but I really enjoy those. So I hope you do proceed with that. Yeah. Even if I just like write the script and never end up drawing it, the kind of thing where it's like, I just got to get it out. Yeah. It's like your little personal diary or journal that's out there now. I'm a little slow. I read the book and I was so absorbed by it. And then I was like, hey, wait a minute, all the pets are men. 
And I thought that was an interesting choice. Now, I'm not complaining. If I was in a world where I was a pet and people were feeding me and taking care of me and grooming me, that's fine. That sounds great. Um, <laughs> but you made a choice to have the men as the pets here. Uh, why that? I'm just curious. Um, mostly just because it was funny. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> It really was just uh, like a gag that got out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so well done because, honest to God, I read the whole thing. And like the next day, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it didn't even strike me. I was so wrapped up in the book. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're pets. They're not people per se. But I'm seeing people, but I'm seeing pets like I would see my own pet. I missed that completely. But I hope we see more of it. I hope we see your autobiography at some point. Kelly, one thing I wanted to mention. I saw you recently post that after a con, you kind of have this post-con depression. And I know what you mean. It's kind of like the day after Christmas. <sighs> it's over. Why is that? What is it about after a con that you're kind of like back to reality? Missing seeing the fans? What is it? Yeah, I think because you're seeing your friends that you never see. Mm. Uh, you know, they're in from out of town. You're seeing people who like your work and you get really excited and you kind of get a bit high from the whole con experience you know you're seeing cool stuff you're seeing cool people you're having fun you're having dinners and then it's just over and it's almost like you used up all your happiness and then you're just a bit down <laughs> i guess it's kind of like a reunion of sorts because you're only going to see these folks maybe once a year when you're all in the same city i mean you might see them on social media but actually sit down and have a meal and just say how's it going with you with your work you know you don't get to do it that often yeah for sure being an artist you might work more in isolation so to get the chance to talk to other artists and kind of commiserate and share war stories it's good to get together just to kind of, I've heard people say it's like a support group. You get together, you get a chance to share what you're dealing with. Yeah, big time. Caitlin, how about you? Do you get a chance to go to cons? And what is your experience of going to them? What do you like about them? What kind of feedback are you receiving about Manfred and other work, your webcomics? I've been going to comic conventions for many years now, and it's, it's always like a really nice experience to like have people who like recognize Manfred come up and be like, Oh my God, I'm such a big fan. Like, and then like buy a bunch of stuff or even like people who just want to pass and like see it and have a giggle and then suddenly discover it. It's really good. And yeah, getting to see like friends from out of town and like people that we really only catch up with at conventions. It's always really nice. It's what I look forward to every year. To me, it's like Christmas Day. You know, it's something I look forward <laughs> to, people I want to see and catch up with, meeting new people and meeting people I haven't seen since the last con. It's like, hey, how you doing? It's been a while. What's going on? You know, it's it's like a reunion. It's really a lot of fun. I did a live D&D drawing panel at TCAF this year. There was like a couple of people on the panel who I didn't know before. And then I got to kind of meet them afterwards. They're like local to Toronto. So, you know, like we kind of made plans to like hang out afterwards and meet up and stuff like that. So that was really fun. Just like getting to meet new people who like live in the city as well. You can share stories about being in the city and what they like and what you like and kind of find some new places to go later. So that's always a lot of fun. Now is the segment I call Kicking Back with the Creator. And it's just fun questions I ask all my guests. Sometimes they're tailored to the kind of work that you do. But generally, they're questions I ask everyone to learn more about you as a creator, as a person. So people get to know you better. Not just a name on the book, but as an individual. So my first question for each of you. And Caitlin, I'll start with you. What do you like to do when you can for rest and relaxation? I like to play video games. 
if I ever like get the time to do it. Any particular ones? Mostly Final Fantasy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I started playing Final Fantasy fourteen, which is like a MMO. It's like an online version of the game and i'm usually too terrified to play online games because i like don't want to get harassed on the internet by like a fucking 15 year old kid (laughs) (laughs) but this one i'm like i was i was nervous at the start but i got more confident as i was playing and it's really fun all right Kelly, how about you for rest and relaxation? What do you do? I like to go for long walks in the city or go for a long walk in the park. I like to stop at a cafe and get a delicious hot drink and do some doodling. And I like to read and write fan fiction. Ah, very good. Kind of helps to free the mind, relax a little bit, have a nice hot beverage. I enjoy that as well. Now, this one's going to take you back a bit. Think about a birthday. Could be a favorite. Might not have been good, but... It's one that stands out in your mind for whatever reason. What birthday was it and why does it stand out in your mind? Caitlin, you first. Does it have to be my birthday? That's a good question. If it's somebody else's birthday that left a really big impression on you, please share. We went uh, as a group up to Cabin one year for Matt's birthday, which is in January. So it's really cold. We stayed at this like cabin that had like a fire and a hot tub and it was like all snowy outside, but we were like all nice and cozy. So that one stands out. That was a good birthday. <laughs> <laughs> hot tub in the snow. Yeah, it was a hot tub in the snow. It was very relaxing. <laughs> was it a hot tub time machine? <laughs> unfortunately no but i did make a very very good lemon cheesecake too ah all right i have not made since but i like fucking nailed it that time and i was like i'm done i don't need to make it ever again drop the mic (laughs) (laughs) kelly how about you a favorite birthday either your own it can be somebody else's but i'm thinking of like a memory that you have it's like oh i remember that that was great this is a negative birthday so this is my eighth birthday And I had a birthday party with all my friends at the local McDonald's in um, Newfoundland. And this particular McDonald's was really bougie because it had a ball pit. Kids can dive in the balls and uh, swim around. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I ended up having an asthma attack and I couldn't participate in my own birthday. Uh And the staff at the McDonald's took pity on me and they took me in the back and showed me how the drive-thru works. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, here is your future. (laughs) No! <laughs> what a consolation prize. Here's the drive through. This is the pedal that makes the window go up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a McDonald's birthday once when I was a kid. And they took, they like took me back out into the freezer to show mm-hmm. me like they had like an ice cream cake or something like that. But all I could see was like all the boxes of chicken nuggets. And then like, look, it's up on the top shelf. I'm like, where? I, all I see is chicken nuggets. <laughs> There's some things you don't want to see and you can't unsee. You don't want to know how it's made. You just want to eat it. But don't show me, as they say, the sausage making process. We don't want to see that. (laughs) Now, another memory. Thinking back to middle school, 12, 13 years of age, what posters or pictures did you have on your bedroom wall? Caitlin. I definitely had Spice Girls and Hanson. That was about it. I had two things that I was okay. into when I was like 12 years old. Spice Girls and <laughs> Oh, man. How about you, Kelly? Well, that was my goth phase. So probably a lot of like Nightmare Before Christmas, like Jack Skellington posters and like creepy stuff. And those weird posters with like women that are covered in 
silver and diamonds and they're like bleeding from their eyes and just those weird those weird posters that you used to find in like boutique stores okay <laughs> now this is a hypothetical situation if you were stuck on a deserted island and you can only have one book and they can be a set if they're related in some way lord of the rings for example don't worry about survival. You're going to get off the island at some point. You just don't know when, so you don't need practical survival information. Just something that you want to read that you haven't had a chance to get to or something you know that you could read over and over again because you enjoyed so much. What would that book be, Caitlin? I'm going to say Harry Potter. <laughs> okay. All right. I've had that answer. Yes. Good choice. Oh, God. I can think of one. Maybe like a big Calvin and Hobbes collection or something. I like Calvin and Hobbes. It's a great one. Just have some pictures to go along with it. <laughs> <laughs> Lighten the mood a little bit there. Now, this is another hypothetical situation. If a company, let's say it's Quirk Books, says, we're going to make an action figure of you, what would be your action figure's accessory? Caitlin. A computer desk that I'm chained to. I'll say a mug of tea and a hot water bottle. Now, why the hot water bottle? I just like to keep it on my person. Uh, warm me up. I'm usually quite cold. If you could handle cats, a cat would be great for that, or a small dog, because they will serve as a living water bottle. I know, because I have one. She sees me, and she's like, under the covers, Foom, there she is, <laughs> right up against me. <laughs> now, next question. Your beverage of choice when you are resting and relaxing. Tea. Same here. Maybe like a chai, like a Earl Grey. Very good, very good. Uh, chai just plain or with sugar and milk? Uh, no sugar, just a little bit of coconut milk. I had like the Indian chai tea and they add like cream, sugar. They really load it up. It's good. I'm good with just straight chai tea. Growing up, for each of you, what was your favorite pet? You probably had different kinds of pets growing up. I know I did. I had birds, bunnies, hamsters, rats, laboratory, not wild. What was your favorite pet? We only had one pet when I was growing up because my parents didn't allow us to have animals. It was actually a cat. His name was Simba. We had, uh, probably when I was around eight years old or so, a girl came by our house. She had an armful of kittens and she was like, I got a bunch of kittens. Do you want one? And I was like, heck yes. So I like grabbed a kitten out of the bunch and I like took it around to the back of the house where my mom was like watering the garden or something like that and I was like mom can I have a kitten and I like held up the kitten and she was like well you've already got it so I guess so <laughs> and his name was Simba he was actually like a terrible cat he was really wild we didn't know how to like take care of a cat I was like a small child and my sister was even smaller and yeah we didn't know what we were doing so he was like always really grumpy <laughs> Grumpy cat. Okay. He was a grumpy cat and he was really wild and he would like attack people and caught a lot of wildlife and would bring it in. He once brought a snake into the house, which <gasps> was <snake>. terrifying. <laughs> what kind of snake? Uh, like a very poisonous snake. Oh, Lord. Uh, an Ethan Brown, which oh, is like the most poisonous snake in like all of Australia. How did the cat do that and not get bit? I have no idea. He was like a superhero. <laughs> My wife's cat when she lived down in Alabama brought her a cockroach from the outside. Now they had these like outside cockroaches, the really big ones, and it's like all happy brings it in in its mouth. Ah! Yeah, it's like, ah, get away, get away. But a snake. Good lord. Yeah, I I have like have a very clear memory of like me and my mom and my sister all standing on the dining room table and my mom has a broom and she's like trying to like flick the snake out of the door so that we can like 
down off the table. I actually don't remember how it got resolved. I think I maybe like blocked out some memories or something like that. I think I'd black we did out. eventually get down off the table. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would block that out. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, how about you? We only had one family pet growing up. It was a sweet little dog, a little Shih Tzu, called uh, Molly, and she had a very sweet temperament. She's passed. But uh, she loved to eat, and she was a very sweet dog. <laughs> we have something in common. I like to eat, too. That's great. <laughs> it's a shame they're not with us longer. You know, pets have relatively short lives compared to us. It's a shame because you get so used to them. They're like part of the family. I mean, let's face it. They're like another family member. You just don't think of them as a pet. At least I never have. It's just like it's one of the family. Oh, of course. Yeah. I'm wondering from each of you, whether you have a cat or not, you have had cats. What do you think is the best toy for a cat what provides them with the most entertainment i have my opinion it's the little stuffed bird or mouse on a string they go nuts over that you know you spin it around on a stick what provides the most entertainment for a cat to you my cats used to love just playing with a stick we had like a rug in our living room Mm -hmm. and i would like the stick under the rug and like move it around so it would make this like kind of scratching noise and they just went ham on that thing (laughs) (laughs) they could not understand what was going on yeah, they, the cat would, like, chase my feet under the bed covers, like bed mice. They go crazy. They, it, the simplest things, you know, to, like, a kid with a box, you know? I also had this game on my iPad that the cats would play where it was, like, these little mice, and the cats could, like, hit it, hit like, hit the mouse on, on the, the iPad. The iPad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. There's, like, tons of games for cats on iPads. <laughs> no. Kelly, any thoughts about that? Anything you think would be a great cat toy the stick with the string on it uh yeah from what i've seen they never see that stick they never see the string they only see what's attached to it focused on it what do you think is the best way to make a cat happy because it's hard like with dogs they wag their tail they're happy the little butts shake when i first met my wife's cat and i would play with her she'd get irritated and wag her tail and i was like oh look she's wagging her tail she said no she's mad at you she really hates you i'm like what so I wasn't used to the cat lingo, but how do you make a cat happy besides treats, which, you know, seems to work very well? I always found that like talking to them in a really high pitched voice seemed to work pretty well. Yes. <laughs> Baby talk to a cat. They love that. They love that. Yeah. They don't know what you're saying. They just know the tone and you're talking to them and they love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, thoughts on that? Have you trying to make a cat happy i'm a bit afraid of cats because a lot of them that i've had been in contact with they'll take a swipe at you oh cats, i'd say just like give it a little scritch under the chin mm-hmm. supposed to like put your hand out and then the cat will kind of rub itself on you instead of like you imposing your pets on the cat good point <laughs> let them come to you because cats have to have control i would try to pick up the cat and she'd get all mad at me and you know like if i picked her up and took her to the door she just like this is like ball of fur and like paws sticking out and I get all scratched up like in cartoons but if she approaches me oh that's cool she can rub my leg that's fine but the cat's in control she's she calls the shots yeah on my cat from hell the tv show (laughs) (laughs) well let me know and let the audience know for each of you in 2019 what you have planned in terms of convention appearances and other projects coming down the road, what you have in mind, what you want to do going forward. Caitlin. I also have a podcast that I do regularly, uh, weekly, called Shitty Wizard, and it's a (laughs) would-you-rather podcast where we ask and answer would-you-rather questions. 
So we do a live show every week on Thursdays on our YouTube channel. So it's Shitty Wizard on YouTube. I'm also at work. I'm directing an episode of Show Super Science Friends, which you can also find on YouTube, just Super Science Friends on YouTube. Uh, as for conventions, um, the only one that I have lined up so far is the Small Press Expo down in um, Maryland in September. I'll be there for that. Looking into maybe doing Fan Expo in Toronto this year too but i gotta see it i understand i know for a lot of creators it's kind of up in the air like depends upon time commitments and finances kelly for you what do you have planned I'm gonna be at van calf oh crap i guess this podcast is coming out after van calf you'll have been there yes i have been <laughs> and i'm also working on pieces for my first ever solo art show uh which will be in august in toronto Okay, and what are you exhibiting? Some large-scale, very intricate ink drawings with like a spooky theme. What's the gallery? Uh, Liberty Arts Gallery (laughs) in uh, Liberty Village in Toronto. Very good. Well, good luck with that. Caitlin, good luck with the podcast. You have my sympathies, being one myself, being a podcaster. (laughs) I know people don't realize it's a lot more work than you think. It helps when you're contractually obliged ah you have motivation <laughs> yes yes my motivation is i don't want it to suck <laughs> i want it to be as professional and good as i can make it that is my motivation but yes it does help if you have a contractual obligation but good luck on that i will put links to your podcast in my show and kelly if you have information about the exhibit please send that to me and i will also post that in the show notes and also folks it's out manfred saves a day caitlin major and kelly basto please check it out whether you have a cat or not you will have fun with this it's some light reading it's fun we need some fun in this world it's too heavy it's too serious take some time out give yourself a break enjoy it caitlin and kelly thank you so much for being on creator talks tonight thanks thanks for having me All right, folks, and coming up next week, writer Sean Lewis and artist Hayden Sherman. They are collaborating on a comic book called Thumbs, being published through Image. The first issue is out on June 5th. Sean was on the show last year talking about his series Coyotes. We're going to find out what happened to the series and all about his latest series, Thumbs. Hayden Sherman is new to the show, but we've talked about his work with other guests, including Mary Shelley Monster Hunter, as well as Cold War. So I've talked a lot about him. Now I get a chance to speak with him. Also in the pipeline, coming up on future shows, Sam Johnson returns to talk about his latest Kickstarter for Geek Girl, the Crime War trade paperback in issue number five, and also returning Ron Randall about the next Kickstarter for him, Trekker Battlefield. And following that episode, as promised, my conversation with Dean Kotz, talking about his series, Warlord of Mars Attacks, through Dynamite Entertainment. And now for the usual information, this show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, Amazon Alexa-enabled devices, as well as Spotify. Please subscribe. It is free. Don't miss a single episode. They'll be coming out every other week on Thursdays starting at the end of June. If you have a chance, please rate and review the show on iTunes which is still the number one search engine for finding podcasts. So by rating and reviewing the show, it makes it easier to find. So if someone is searching for podcasts about comic books and comic book creators and writers and artists being interviewed, it makes it easier to find. And also rate and review other podcasts that you like. It goes a long way to helping them as well. And speaking on their behalf, we all appreciate it. If you want to reach me directly with questions, my email address is contact at creatortalks.com. That's contact at creatortalks.com. On social media, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram 
at Creator Talks Pod. That's at Creator Talks Pod. And every Saturday and Sunday, I post my Saturday Silver Age and Sunday Bronze Age comics from my personal collection. Please share yours as well. Well, that's all I have time for this week. I'm packing up for my move out west to Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you for spending some time with me this week. Enjoy your comic books. Be good to one another. And drop me a note when you have a chance. Tell me what you think of the show. Your feedback is greatly appreciated. For Creator Talks, I'm Christopher Calloway. Until next time.